That's the Mile High Hoops podcast with me, Zach By, powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach By. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to an NBA Finals ticket punched. Are you kidding me? The Denver Nuggets, after 47 years, have finally found a way to get to a place that they have never been before, and they've slayed a dragon along the way. Incredible, incredible period of time to be a Denver sports fan, to be a Denver Nuggets fan, and it's been a long time coming, guys. It's been a long time coming. Uh, I uh, have followed this team very closely since the 2017 season. But I know a lot of you guys out there, like in my mind, um, that's a long period of time. Uh, that's uh, six seasons now we've covered this team uh, closely and be- have been podcasting and talking about them on the radio and the ups and downs. But I, I want to acknowledge this. Like there's a lot of people listening right now, maybe you, that uh, were in the trenches with this basketball team in 2002 and 2003 when, when this team was 17 and 65. 17 wins, 65 losses, 2001 and uh, two season, 27 and 55. I mean, this is a uh, 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 one of these you know pe- people say you know, quote unquote uh, poverty franchises, right? Um, uh, they had uh, the Denver Nuggets, and we've shared this um, stat uh, on this podcast before, but it bears repeating. The Denver Nuggets had the most playoff appearances in all of professional sports in the four big pro sports in America, football, baseball, uh, basketball, hockey, of the big four, the Nuggets had the most playoff appearances without ever going to their respective NBA finals. That sentence is no longer true. Uh, At the time of recording, it is Tuesday, May 23rd at 9.44 in the morning. And what a glorious morning it is. Everyone is so excited at every stop. I I, I brought my uh, son to a preschool and stopped at the front desk, stopped by the teachers in the class. The kids are saying, let's go Nuggets. Uh, Jumped on the radio with, with, with Mike and Mark and they're sharing their own, you know, anecdotes and 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 stories, and they're fired up. And I just like Nuggets fever. Has that phrase ever been said? <laughs> I mean, this is this is really amazing. And you know, I I said slayed a dragon on the way. Like this is poetry, and this is sports. This is this is the best of sports, where you've never beaten the Lakers in a playoff series. You've never swept an opponent. How is that? You never swept an opponent going back to 1976 and Nuggets never swept anyone? No, it's true. It's true. Never beat the Lakers in a playoff series. Never swept an opponent. Never been to the finals. And in one fell swoop, done, done, and done. And I just, like, 
I have so many thoughts, and, and we're really, I'm just going to warn you, we're not going to get into the trenches of the actual game. We're, we're talk about it, we'll talk about it a little bit, but we're not going to do like possession-by-possession possession breakdowns or, you know, revisit quarters. Because like, what's going on right now is so much bigger than any singular thing that happened in, in Game 4. But I was just on the radio um, with Mike and Mark doing our uh, doing our morning show, Schlereth and Evans, and we've been coming in there every day, and it's been so fun. And they said, what's your favorite part about this? Like, as, as someone who has followed the team for six years, what is your favorite dynamic? And I'm like, I had to give it a second, but I think, and maybe I'll change my mind tomorrow, but I think for what it is right now is – that we're just collectively as a basketball community all on the same page. Things got weird there. Like things got weird. Things got divisive. Things got poisonous there with the MVP conversation. Like I was told in the last couple months that Nikola Jokic was breaking ties and MVP votes because he was white. Because the NBA voters are white? Like, what the hell were we doing there? I have an NBA Emmy Award winning sideline reporter who said she hadn't watched Jokic? Not hadn't covered him live, hadn't watched him. Hey, this Jokic guy's pretty good, I gotta admit. That was last week, guys. So I'm not going to – I don't want to get personal, okay? I don't want to get personal because I think that would be easy to do on a day like today. Um, I want to reference it, though. <laughs> I'm not going to get in the trenches with it, but I, I do want to reference it because I remember. And I remember a whole lot more. I remember All-Star Weekend. When LeBron is picking teams for the NBA All-Star team, Team Giannis, Team LeBron, I think it was Team Giannis. I know it was Team LeBron. I think it was Team Giannis. Um, Jokic was picked last? The MVP of the NBA who makes everyone better, who doesn't really want to score? Jokic said, my game's not you know set up for an All-Star game. It actually is. It, it, it actually is, contrary. Like, it actually is. It's actually tailor-made to get everyone involved. In a, he was picked last? But don't forget, LeBron didn't even pick him. Jokic went up to him and put his arm around him. Laurie Markkinen was the last pick because he wasn't going to be selected last he wasn't going to allow that to happen so he just walks up to LeBron and it's like I'm, I'm not getting picked last I'm on your team and LeBron who I'm convinced can't can't even say Jokic's name right he's like I'm picking the Joker like I remember that I remember Nick Wright last year when Jokic won MVP again saying he's the worst two-time MVP winner in NBA history the year before that, before he won it the first time, he ranked the MVPs, and Jokic was like the worst MVP he had ever seen. I remember all that, and I know you do too. And so does Jokic, by the way. So does Jokic. He says all the right things, almost ad nauseum now, because he's asked um, a million things at every turn because he's on the stage, and, and he remembers it all. He internalizes it all. Uh, he won't tip his hand but with his play with his play 
he lets you know he remembers. In game four, Jokic, 30 points, 14 rebounds, 13 assists, his eighth triple-double of the playoffs. That is now the most triple-doubles in any playoff run in NBA history, and we haven't started the finals yet. It's just, it's all-time stuff. It's legendary stuff. And now Jokic is solidified, like, he's at the, well, I shouldn't say he's at the big boy table yet because you got to win a title, okay? But you think of, like, MVP winners um, like, like a Steve Nash, Steve Nash never made it to an NBA Finals. Like, you're, you're a legend, you're a Hall of Famer, but, like, there's levels to this. There's tiers to this. And there's tiers far above where Jokic is at right now. Um, and hopefully we get there. Hopefully in three weeks we're saying, okay, how many people in NBA history have multiple MVPs, a championship, a Finals MVP? Like, it will, it will go like that, and the list will, like, get smaller and smaller and smaller. That's the hope. Um so I'm just, I'm elated, I'm thrilled, I'm scatterbrained. I don't have uh, uh, notes in front of me. We're just kind of kind of approaching this episode with just, just, just be real and raw, um, and hopefully we find our way um, through this episode. Um, Aaron Gordon. <laughs> Aaron Gordon, first of all, my view on Aaron Gordon has never changed. Um, we've always talked about the value of AG, even when he uh, hadn't been scoring it well. But let's just admit that Aaron Gordon hadn't been playing well offensively. Uh, seven points in game three, 10 points in game two, 12 points in game one. So um, 12, 10, 7 leads to a 22-point game four in a closeout game. He hadn't been shooting well from three at all. In fact, uh, he he hadn't made more than one three in any game going back to game one of the quarterfinals, or excuse me, the uh, the, the the semifinals against um, Phoenix. He went three of four uh, in game one against the Suns, uh, and there he is going three of five against the Lakers. He just had been struggling from three, o of one, o of two, o of three, o, o zero for zero. Like those are the last four games from three from Aaron Gordon, and then it goes one of two, one of two, o of three, one of three, um, and then even going back to the first round series. Uh, so Aaron Gordon just hadn't been playing well offensively, defensively, doing everything you ask. Doing everything he asked, going down to the final possession where the Lakers have a chance to tie the game. And Aaron Gordon is on LeBron like white on rice. He was in his shorts. And Jamal Murray reaches in and ties up the basketball and just prevents James from getting any sort of semblance of a clean block. Aaron Gordon actually got a piece of it on the way up as well. Um, So certainly a, a dual effort there. But Aaron Gordon's value to this team um uh, uh in the in recently anyway um hasn't been as quantifiable as you would like like i think we as basketball fans we'd like to show you something like some sort and and i'm sure there there's advanced like defensive metrics that 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 tell the whole story uh with Aaron Gordon but just in terms of you know the masses and catch uh, casting a wide net like like uh if you are and i I've, I've used this verbiage uh, uh on previous episodes with Gordon talking about here just in the last couple of weeks talking about his offensive struggles like if you are viewing Aaron Gordon's performance through the lens of like hitting your prop bet 
you're you're not going to appreciate his value because he hasn't been scoring the basketball uh, as well. But defensively, what he did in, in the first series, um, guarding Carl Anthony Towns for large stretches, guarding Anthony Edwards for large stretches, second round, guarding Kevin Durant for large stretches, guarding Devin Booker for large stretches, and then you get to the Western Finals when you're guarding you know, uh, a LeBron James for uh, these huge stretches, and even some Anthony Davis. You just take your hat off to uh, AG, but the fact that he got to produce offensively, which for most basketball fans is more digestible, right? It's like just really easy to see, like he's putting the basketball He's making threes. I was happy for Aaron Gordon to uh, have that moment on that type of stage against that caliber of, uh, of an opponent and just sort of get his get his due, get his respect. Uh, 22 points, six rebounds, five assists, two blocks, didn't turn it over not one time. I mean, what – it just – like Aaron Gordon, like, and we've been talking about this for years now. There's, there's been a couple guys that when the move was made, we're looking at it going, and when I say we, I'm talking about us, us on this podcast, me on this podcast, talking with you. Like, that's a great fit. After the departure of Jeremy Grant, which I thought was just a massive gut punch um, to to this organization. I believe this organization thought that Jeremy Grant was coming back. Um, when he left, I was like, oh my gosh. Grant was perfect for this team. Um, And Grant was a part of the last time they were at this stage in the Western Conference Finals, right? He spurns them for Detroit, and that has aged poorly since then or whatever, ends up in Portland, blah, 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 blah. But when when they pivot to Aaron Gordon, you can look back and say, wow, that was was an even better fit than Jeremy Grant. From a basketball standpoint, it's like two puzzle pieces coming together seamlessly. But also from a personality standpoint, Jeremy Grant wanted more for himself. Like he wanted to take 18 shots a night. He wanted to be an all-star. And congrats, you got that stuff. But Gordon was to a point in his career where he needed to win and was able to and willing to sacrifice um, a lot of the quote-unquote NBA stuff to be a winner and to be a fourth option on a lot of nights, and some nights to be a fifth option. And other nights to not be much of an option at all. We're coming off a of game three where he took five shots. So I'm just so happy for Aaron Gordon. Uh, I really am. Um, I'm glad that he got his flowers uh, in that moment. In a closeout game, uh, Aaron Gordon doing, doing his thing uh, uh, to that level. I love to see it, man. I love to see it. Uh, Jamal Murray, um, who didn't shoot it well uh, from three, Uh, was 0 for 4, still finished with 25 points. Um, We predicted before this series started that Jamal Murray would average 30 points a game. Um, That was a bullish prediction. Uh, He ended up averaging 32 points, so we feel great about it. And Jamal, this series, for me, um, the job's not finished, but the download is almost complete. You ever like download something on your computer or on YouTube or you're uploading something and it's like like the progress bar is at like 80%? That's where I'm at with Jamal Murray personally on the question that I've asked through the years. Can Jamal Murray be the second best player on a championship team? The download is almost complete. 
the picture is almost entirely into focus um, with the answer being yes. He was so massive in this series. I think Jamal Murray crossed through and became a superstar in this series. I know he's had superstar moments, okay? I know about the second round in the bubble against Utah. I am hyper aware. Um, But the difference is... Jamal went from averaging 35 points in that series to averaging 22 the next series. This is kind of who Jamal Murray has been. This series, nope. You got the best of Jamal Murray every single night. 31 points in game one, 37 points in game two, 37 points in game three, 25 points in game four. So even even on the night where he struggled from three, he was still effective from two. Uh, Five assists, uh, had a block as well had multiple steals, and when the Lakers were uh, had it rolling in the first half, Jamal's buckets there kept the Nuggets within striking distance. They weren't as loud because the Lakers were in control at that time, but by him doing some of the stuff he did in the first and second quarter, uh, it kept the Nuggets afloat to the point where they would, and I know this sounds like a silly statement, but they were only down 15 at halftime and not... 21, 22 points where that would be insurmountable. And in a game you win by two, each of those buckets matter uh, in such a big way. So, and, 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 you know, Michael Malone sharing the story, like Jamal, after he tore his ACL, like, are you guys going to trade me? And, you know, there, there's human moments in all of this stuff, right? Like, how could this guy who thinks he can fly on game day, thinks he's Superman, but also be in the depths and the lowest of the lows, like believing that, the Nuggets would would move on from him in that moment of weakness. And the fact that his arc is able to come back up from the depths, like he's at the top, he's at the zenith of the sport. The whole world's talking about him. He gets a nickname, Bubble Murray. He goes all the way down. He, well, and, and he didn't start that next season well at all, which prevented him from being an all-star. Um, and then he tears the ACL and misses the postseason, thinks he's going to get traded, doesn't come back the next year, doesn't come back for the postseason, is getting criticized by some of the fan base. The team has cleared you. Why aren't you ready to play? You know, being asked, are you in the organization? Okay, you know. Um, and then to, to, to rise, 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 back up, back up, back up, slowly over time, consistency over the regular season, dealing with knee soreness, uh, uh, unable to play, at certain nights, bangs his knee. Oh, my gosh. He's holding his knee. Is he okay? Like, we had a bunch of moments like that. And they just kept rising and rising and showing up day after day after day. And then it ultimately gets to the point where it matters the most, and he's rising, rising. And then you look across, and you're at the peak of your game, and you look across the valley, and you look down to where you were. And then you look up at the, the other peak where you were in 2020. And they're, this, they're the same. Maybe this one's even... Maybe this one's even a little bit higher uh, than that former peak. And it's just, it's so special. Um, It is so, 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 so special. Um, Michael Porter Jr., 15 points, 10 rebounds. I mean, gosh. Like, Michael Porter Jr., I think he had five rebounds in the first quarter. It's like, is this guy on pace for 20 rebounds? Um, 
he cooled off a little bit in that department. But I do want to just want to isolate the rebounds because Michael Porter, we've been saying it for a couple of years now, he's got a chance to be uh, an elite rebounder uh, as a small forward. And you started to see some of that. Michael Porter Jr., look at the regular season. He averaged five rebounds, five, five and a half rebounds. What did he average <clears throat> in the first round series against uh, Minnesota? Eight rebounds. What did he average in the second round against Phoenix? Seven boards. What did he average in the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers? 9.3 rebounds. That is awesome. <laughs> and, and he started slow uh, in game four. Michael Porter Jr. did. Um, but the stick to itiveness, the, the 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 micro is the game. The macro is this last season. Michael Porter Jr. did everything that the Denver Nuggets asked him to do, and then some. This is a guy that was benched. He's a max player, right? He was benched at points during the regular season. Uh, yeah, it was at points where he was benched during uh, you know a, a playoff game. Um, but the resilience. You know, on a night, especially where he didn't shoot it great, right? Five for 16, three for 10 uh, from three. Um, But throughout these playoffs, it's been the timely nature of Michael Porter's contributions that have been just inspiring. You just absolutely love to see it. Um, Bruce Brown didn't have as big of of an impact uh, in game four as he had through the series. Don't care. Bruce Brown has been great. Uh, How about KCP? You know, once again, in that first quarter, setting the tone the same way he did in the closeout game against Phoenix. And we talked about it at the time. How about like championship pedigree? Well, what does that actually mean? What does that translate onto a game day? Well, it translates and manifests itself in a closeout game, having the requisite intensity and aggressiveness for those moments right out of the gate. And again, much like Jamal, although the Lakers were having success, um, it, it kept Denver within arm's length. So when, when it was time to, to punch back in that third quarter, uh, you could connect on those punches because you weren't down 22. Um, that third quarter, by the way. By the end of that thing, I'm like, dude, this is the, the, the Nuggets are going to win this game. And I purposefully stayed off Twitter during the game because I just didn't want to deal with the discourse um, last night. It's a night-by-night thing. I was I was on Twitter after the game. You could bet your ass I was. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't think I've ever had a tweet that got 7,000 likes. Um, so thanks to everyone who interacted with that tweet. I, I don't think I've ever had a tweet that did 1,000 retweets. Um, and uh, so if you missed some of those, you can uh, catch me at Byesline, B-Y-E-S-L-I-N-E. Really cool. Um but that third quarter, uh, if I was going to tweet during the game and I was freaking tempted because I had my phone open, just about to say, like, hey, just a heads up, you guys, the Nuggets are winning this game. Once they pulled it back uh, to even, the Lakers did not have enough in their tank to, uh, to, 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 beat, or, to beat a Denver team once they got it back uh, to even. And LeBron emptied the tank. You tip your cap to LeBron. Um, 40 points. I mean, gosh, that was a departure from really any game that we saw from him um, this series. He nearly had a triple-double, was one assist shy, just like he was in game number one, uh, if you remember. But LeBron, I mean, for the series, guys, for the series, he averaged a triple-double. So, like, this idea that, like, hey, um, like the Lakers just, like, didn't play well or something, like, no. Like, LeBron averaged, and and I can't believe it because I didn't feel... 
feel the impact on a possession by possession basis the way that the, the, that the numbers would indicate. But the numbers do tell you that LeBron James for this series averaged 28 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. And the Lakers got swept in, in a series where Anthony Davis, I thought, you know, played well. You know, like, it, 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 again, I do the old thing. Like, if I went to the future and I told you that LeBron James would average a triple-double for the series and Anthony Davis would be putting up, you know, 40 and 10 in game one and 28 and 18 in game three, even 21 and 14 in game four, like, you might feel pretty good about that. And they got dominated, swept. I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty wild, but it's a testament to this Nuggets team. And LeBron said as much. Like, let's, let's, let's you know, pay attention to what LeBron said. LeBron, after the game, said he had a private moment with Anthony Davis where they agreed that the Nuggets were the best team that they've seen since the duo has been together. Guys, LeBron has been with the Lakers now longer than he was ever with the Miami Heat. It's been more than a minute. He's seen some great teams during that time period. Um, So the fact that he has crowned the Nuggets as the best of, you know, um, and then and then and I know I was I was just telling the story of Joker being picked last at the All-Star game and blah, blah, blah. But like LeBron gave Jokic his flowers after the game in, in a major way. I mean, he was just over the top, like you know, doesn't sync up with his actions during the All-Star game, but he did say all the right things that you would hope glowingly talking about Jokic and his intellect um, and how enough people don't understand it because it's almost like it's like a higher power type deal. Um, so that was pretty cool to, to, to hear LeBron say some of those things because LeBron's great. I mean, look, you're never going to hear me, you know, throw dirt out. Like people, some people hate LeBron James and I, you got your own reasons and all that, you know, even – non-basketball stuff, whatever. That's a totally different conversation. The basketball player, LeBron James, is like the smartest basketball player I've ever seen um, and so dominant. Um, but And he has synced up this like incredible physical uh, prodigy of a body that he was given and synced up with a, a, a basketball um, genius. And then you have one of the greatest careers of all time. So to hear that guy wax poetic about Michael Malone, who coached him in Cleveland, about uh, Jokic, about Jamal Murray, like, that stuff matters to me because there's different ways you can go about that. And I thought LeBron went about it the classy way, um, which, which which I appreciate. Um, and how can you not? You know, LeBron's talking about, like, some of the shots that Jokic was hitting. Like, the shot he had in game two on the right wing at the end of the third quarter on Anthony Davis, where Davis is just like, it's like, it's, 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 it's Jokic's version of Jordan Shrug in the early 90s against the Blazers. Um, he had, like, a... He had like six of those in the series, and LeBron talked. He had one last night. He had one in Game Four, um, where he hits that shot. He had two of them actually. The like sambor step back shuffle, like it's not even a shot with a, a traditional um, shooting motion. He's he, because he doesn't have his legs. He's got to use leverage by cocking his arms all the way back to get it to the hoop, and. It's just such an awkward basketball motion that somehow Jokic, Jokic makes it because he's freaking Jokic. <laughs> so sometimes these things don't have uh, definitions. They're just seeing is believing. And even as conditioned as someone like me is who watched every Jokic game through the uh, uh, six of his, what, seven uh, years in the league, or is it eight now for Jokic? Whatever. Watched a lot of Jokic. Even someone who's conditioned 
for his type of wizardry and um, sorcery to still be stunned? Like, I I don't have an answer. It's just freaking Jokic. Um, Amazing. Amazing. Guys, I'm so happy. Um, We're going to talk. There'll be time to talk about the Miami Heat um, uh, uh, matchup. That's what it looks like it's going to be. And we'll give that series time to finish. Um, But I'm just so happy. Uh, This has been a downtrodden, star-crossed franchise that had one of his best players of all time say he doesn't want to be here. You know, um, a team that has just been bounced by the Lakers more times than you would ever like uh, a team that um, traditionally hasn't been able to land free agents um, sort of build it the way that they've built it I've you know joked around you want organic this is farm to table this is the anti NBA team um, and the Nuggets are giving a middle finger to everyone who had any other agenda against just the best team winning and for me as a basketball fan first, before everything, um, I love to see it. I absolutely love to see it. Here we go. NBA Finals. For the first time in 47 years, the Nuggets are going to be on the world's stage. And I think there's even more converts to come when it comes to Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. There'll be plenty of time to talk about that. Guys, please, if you think that we deserve it, give us five stars for this podcast. Tell a friend about this podcast. Shout out our sponsor, Superbook Sports, who has been uh, backing us uh, here as a podcast uh, for a while now. We appreciate uh, those guys. We appreciate you. Wow. Here we go. As exciting of a time in the history of this organization that's been around since 1976, and I'm glad we're here together for it. Whatever happens next and whoever the next opponent is, you already know we're going to be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Mile High Hoops podcast powered by Superbook Sports. Until next time.